This is a Rooster Teeth production. All right, players, it's over. What did y'all think? Are you apparently aged 20 years? What's wrong with you? (laughs) I have a cold. I've lost my voice. I can't talk, but I'm still here. I'm still with it. So what did you think? Are you speaking draconic? Yes. (laughs) I was going to say that Gus was so emotional over the end of of this campaign that he was crying all night and lost his voice from crying, as we've all experienced once in life. Am I right, (laughs) fellas? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, he was full on screaming into the pillow, weeping as hard as he could. (laughs) How can I go on? Actually, like, I've seen a lot of people, and they're like, oh, but, you know, goodbye to infinites, and just, like, oh, how heartbreaking and stuff like that. Like, this is going to be good. I'm trying to be optimistic about it. Like, as much as we love these characters, it's going to be fun exploring new characters. And if we fail there, there's nothing saying we can't come back to the the infinites, you know? (laughs) I'm looking at Micah's face right now, being like, I've actually instructed Ben to delete all of our character sheets once this recording's over. (laughs) I ask again, what did you all think? (laughs) It was a blast. Uh, I think we all agree that, like, this was one of our most favorite things that we've ever worked on the characters, the story, the, the way the podcast all came together and like just the community that we've grown around the stinky dragon little stinkers. I think it's been like, just like one of, I think my favorite experiences to date being part of this podcast. This is probably the most invested I've been in in a rooster teeth production. And like, I was talking to John and just how crazy it was just like even something like his mom making us puppets and, and just like how everything fit together perfectly and like just made the last couple of years so much fun. And uh, I don't know. I really like Sticky Dragon. It's been it's been a good ride. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's just it's been such a blessing to be able to like come every week and make something with friends and really just have fun. And then no matter what happens, it always be better <laughs> than we record it after Mike has <laughs> done editing it and adding, you know, music and Ben's gotten NPCs and everything. It's always better than when we record it. And so it's just like, it's like a double blessing where it's one, <laughs> I get to do it in the first place, which is fun. And then the second time when I get to listen to it, when it's released, I'm like, wow, Chris, you need to pray. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that's, that was the alternative title to stinky dragon. It was double blessing. Double blessing. <laughs> well, yeah. what a great segue because we are joined by both Ben and Micah. Who work tirelessly behind the scenes. Mike, of course, is our uh, writer, editor, composer, and Ben as our producer. They do so much to help make the show what it is. So, Micah, what is the overall name of this campaign? That's the next puzzle. You have to solve it. Go. <laughs> no, the uh, the name of this one. I think we've kind of settled on the Infinite Campaign, just because that's that's kind of the running theme from the beginning to the end. Is that the start off as interns, Infinites, and then they actually eventually become the Infinites and kind of come full circle. Mm. It's true. And then I other than it. Kyborg, none of us stayed Infinites. Yeah. Yeah. Castle on the mantle. I want to also point out quickly, I filled in for Gus to do like the little outro read for one of the podcasts. I think it was a part one of the finale. And it said in finale, 
but I wrote it as infinale at first. And I was like, is it like infinite tail? Like, I don't understand what this is. And I was like, oh, infinale. Now you know how we end up with an end tornado instead of an intronado. So I was thinking about it this morning. I was out mowing my lawn and just thinking about, oh, okay, yeah, I got another dragon, sticky dragon recording, stuff like that. And I was thinking about it and it was like, some of my favorite moments. And one of them was when we could not get through diarrheans. Did you change that to paladians or was diarrheans a separate thing? Like it's a separate thing. Okay. I remember the, the diarrheans coming up and <laughs> Gus was a 10 year old boy who couldn't get through it. Uh, surrounded by 10 year old boys. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what you just asked right there, Blaine, about the diarrheans and the paladines, that's actually a, a really good question. I mean, speaking to the broader world and everything that, you went through do the players do you guys have any questions about the world the campaign things that were maybe left question marks in your head so i had a big question and it was something that we touched on towards the end it was like well past all of kyborg's arc but like i feel like you guys were trying to like dip into each person's like personal investment into the ongoing narrative so when dr him passed away he apologized to kyborg for creating quadrant and i was curious like what was the intent with that was Quadrant like Atten and Dant, were they like uh, not robots, but you know whatever Atten and Dant were like an automaton of some kind. Automaton, automaton yeah. Or was he like a, a person that came to like? What did you guys have in mind for Quadrant, and what did you expect for Kyborg to do with Quadrant once he found out? I wrote Acutarius and Quadarius as brothers that grew up in Tetora, mm-hmm. and Tetorans were notorious for like not wanting anybody else but dragonborns, right? Because mm-hmm. there's different draconic people. I forget what the term is. There's a term in like D&D lore of like all draconic type people, but they were basically outcasts. I think he kind of mentions that, that they were cast aside by their parents because Dr. Hem is a kobold, which is a type of dragon type person. Mm-hmm. And then Quadrant or Quadarius was similar. Like a he was basically the first Taboolean in our minds. Mm-hmm. And so they were cast out of society. And so when, mm, when yeah, exactly. <laughs> when Ahem and him were alone, basically on their own, he built Quadrant his arms to basically fit into society again and like give him a chance to be something different. And mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of grew out of Quadrant's wanting for more and wanting to payback people and so to answer your question about the latter part like it was really up to you like I think I I mentioned that in the recording like I didn't have anything particular in mind with what uh, with what Kyber excuse me would do with all that information but it's more just that there's a connection that like you were saying with each of the characters that Dr. Ahem kind of had yeah so Dr. Ahem is brothers with Quadrant then does that Mm -hmm. wow okay I just now realized that yeah (laughs) There was a moment there where, like, I, you probably cut it from the finale finale, but you were like, what did you, do you, did you want to leave him in the Briar Orb and stuff like that? And I was, like, thinking about it and was like, I don't know, would I want to, like, rehabilitate Quadrant? But there was no, like, <laughs> mystic thing that changed him. He was just a jerk that got arms and then, like, <laughs> killed a bunch of people. And I was like, no, there's no redemption for that trash. So I was like, he can stay in the Briar Orb. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go stomp on it with uh, Smarsh. <laughs> Something that uh, I was also wondering about, specifically with Gum Gum, uh, obviously we get the reveal that Daya is his mother and then Entropa, a.k.a. G- Galindor. No, is it? Garador, yeah. Garador are his parents. And so I'm just like wondering how that conception happened. Mm. I guess like, like how they- like physically, how they, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, when a mommy god and a daddy god fall in love. I guess it's different because like in this universe, the goddess Andi, uh, sorry, Daya- is like a physical being, not like a, like what I would picture a, a God to be of like this mystical 
non-physical being. You read any mythological stories with pantheons, those gods constantly had kids with mortals. mortals. That's true, yeah. That's where demigods, that's where we get Hercules, that's where we get Achilles, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there is a little bit of lore, like, related to that, not anatomically, but, like, <laughs> Dia, Dia had a mortal body, I guess you'd say, like a vessel, and when she entered the material plane. Mm. Gotcha. And Garador was already, you know, like we mentioned, like he's an, he's an orc at that time. So yeah, when they fought, like that whole blowout where Entropa has Galindor at that point, like hostage, and they have a big fight, that's when Daya uses the last bit of her power to kind of basically leave, to save Gum Gum and, you know, as much as she can, and then she has to return to Mount Celestia. Gotcha. As kind of a more deity, spiritual kind of thing, which I think what you're describing. Your mind works in, in mysterious ways, Micah. I don't know how anybody <laughs> does these types of things where they create such a layered world and characters and, you know, different civilizations and stuff like that. It's just like insane to me. It's, it's very, a, very it's cool. A lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thank you. So I have a question about Garador. What form was he initially? And then how did he... Because I believe he was from Faza, like the world. Like, what was he, I guess, in terms of like being maybe at least where he started and where he ended? I don't have his whole backstory um, written out, but basically in my mind, it was he was an orc, which is where you get your half orc from, your half orc, half deity, mm -hmm. basically. And um, yeah, kind of grew up as as a wise person. I think I mentioned that in the last arc that he's the wise Ard, Garador Ard. And um, where he became Entropa, I think, is that what you're kind of asking? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't flesh out all that backstory because I didn't think it was as relevant as his connection to Gum Gum. But my internal lore is that he was kind of the head wizard and kind of started teaching people magic. I think I mentioned that in the last arc as well. And when he discovered in himself that like people weren't ready for magic in his mind, he, his rage started to boil, which is kind of where Gum Gum gets it. I think his rage. And uh, eventually to the point where he started pursuing other things to try and figure out a way to stop magic from happening when Daya wasn't agreeing with him. That like magic was the curse of the world kind of thing. And I think part of that is him exploring the different planes and one of those planes being, I think I settled on like Anarxis is the name, which is where Anarchs come from. And it's kind of like a chaos belt that loops around the different planes of the world, like Ethereal Plane and Shadow Main and all these things. And it's kind of the elemental border, I guess, of, mm. of all the planes. And he gets kind of wrapped up in that and ends up being cursed by this red mist, you know. Cool. We are Anarchs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> I do have a question for you guys. I guess what was the most unexpected decision that our group made that took like what you had in mind for the storyline that took it like completely off track or like went in a completely different direction than you anticipated or planned for, if there was any? Big forks in the road. I think the biggest one for me, it's like it wasn't a big story departure or anything. It was you guys were always like starting to go down paths that maybe we we didn't fully flesh out. Like normally... Mm -hmm. We would have a document. We talk about what the plan is or what the goal is for an episode or if there's any questions. And inevitably, you all would turn left at a juncture we didn't see or just be like, get hung up on a door or... <laughs> Someone's in a well. Right. <laughs> Still I don't got, know why. No, no regrets. Please, no Ex regrets. No regrets on the, the well. well fixation. Can we come back to the well? Is that an answer we, we can We'll get? come back to the well. But I think the biggest departure was the naval battle that you circumvented yeah. by having uh, mud turn into a plesiosaur and then just swimming under the naval blockade at the port. And uh, just like, well, that was going to be 
45 minutes of that episode. Um, yeah. Guess we need to vamp the hell. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I think the other famous one, which I think happened even before that, was in the second arc, which was the door fiasco at the Glocken Tower. Oh, yeah. God. We yeah. cut like two entire encounters because you guys just spent so much time on that door and we didn't know how to get you to just open it. So for the rest of the campaign, for me anyways, it felt like anytime we hit a door, it was like, okay, this is either going to be five minutes or it's going to take the rest of the episode for them to figure <laughs> out how to get past this. And apparently it's a common thing in d d We posted a couple of D&D sketches and we did one about opening a door and like people doing everything but trying to open it and... uh a lot of people could relate, so I don't feel like we're too silly. <laughs> we have trust issues, collectively, yeah. all of us. I did research. I went back and I was like, what's the first door that they had trouble with? And it was the Infinite HQ. Yeah. Yep. I remember that one. It was the puzzle one with there was like three things above it or something. Well, and yeah, could... there, there was even getting into the Infinite HQ. It was like booby trapped and like it would shock you. And there's three doors you guys could go in. And I don't think anybody ever knew this, but there was an armory. There was the stables, which eventually you found the stables later in a different arc. And then there was the main door to the lobby. And I think someone went to the side. I forget which side, but they didn't ever go in. I think it was like locked or something. And like if you had gone in, you would have found the stables, like all the animals that the Infinites had that you eventually find out. If you got in the armor, you would have had all these different armor things and like weapons and stuff. <laughs> so, Dang yeah. It. Huh. We'd even had jokingly in the very last battle in the Intronado yeah. was uh, a door that was kind of floating around. And I had just jokingly thrown a gust, be like, you could make that door a mimic and have it attack one of the party members for like in the it's very alive. final encounter, the door comes alive and finally gets its revenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are from my door brethren. Is there some connection or is it just wonderful circumstance that the big villain of the whole campaign has door in his name? Garador, you mean? Garador. Oh, oh. I was like, Entropa. Yeah, I was going to find Entropa too. He's right there in front of us. Entrance, Entropa. Yeah, Endorpa. (laughs) So, what what was the thing? Why were you being so weird with the lady in the well? (laughs) Wait, I actually want to defend them, I think, really quick. I don't think they were being weird about the lady in the well. I think we hyper fixated on the lady in the well. She had no explanation for why she was down there. But like, imagine like a video game and you have entered a part of the video game that just hadn't been developed yet. You've phased through a wall. And so like, that's what can happen constantly in D&D creation is that, you know, our, we kind of like what we see is what is ready for us to like deal with. But like, if it's something that wasn't like fully fleshed out, but we can hyper fixate on it, we can force. Here's something. the thing. I think it started. <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong, guys. It started as a joke when I threw a coin in and you were like, someone's down there. Ow. And then you just didn't have a story like ready to fire from the hip. No, there was a story. That's entirely false. You all just never figured it out. Then what was it? Why were you being so weird? Because you didn't figure it out. We couldn't tell you. Like, I can't just spell it out. Like, there was stuff there. You just didn't get to it. And that's fine. That happens a lot. We'll do it now. Do it now. You found the end result without finding the explanation for it. And I was like, I couldn't just say it. If the character doesn't know, they can't explain it to you. It's okay. funny how Gus's voice just makes him sound more emotional because... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like, Michael, calm down, Gus, it's you okay. Explain? I, I can't talk. <laughs> That's I fine. I pulled yeah. up the module. So this is the Sunan province that you guys are in. So you went all the different provinces, you know, they didn't have different problems and you're trying to find the elders and stuff. Uh, so the Sunan province had people that were being tortured in different ways. So the first one was... 
the inkwell, which is where Magon, the person you're talking about, is trapped. This is what it reads. Trapped at the bottom of a well is an elderly female silver dragmore named Magon, but the well isn't full of water. It's a reservoir of ink for the calligraphers of the town. Near the well is a Shadrow taunting the poor dragonborn. So the Shadrow had thrown uh, Magon down there and was like torturing the person. You didn't see the shadow person because you weren't looking for them, I guess. And then you <laughs> chaos ensued from there. <laughs> if I remember right, there was also some kind of attack that messed with their memories or something of the sort. That's why I figured in my mind that she couldn't remember or she was having trouble remembering. There was, I think, I think, yeah, there was another person and that might've been a, a similar thing. Like Shizu, there was a nightmare that they were having in a different home. And so like all these people had like mm. being tortured in different ways. Yeah. I have a question and it's okay if we don't have an exact answer. This is another one that was kind of like, what do you think gum gum with the diagems and the crown at the end? Like what, power they still have and what they're capable of and like what the right thing to do with them was i don't like classifying something as like the right thing to do or with i them. guess i think gum gum would have wanted to do whatever was best but i didn't know the potential and the power of them so i didn't know you know like or who might be trying to get them or the danger of them so i was maybe like the expected outcome or the, yeah did y'all have any idea for what might be done with them you're talking about like the wish no the diet he's talking like, about the epilogue the epilogue the diagen oh what would happen the to crown. them after yeah yeah no i don't think we had anything particular in mind yeah i think the idea was just that like we hoped magic would come back to phaser and then it did. And then really, yeah, like the ending is really up to you guys. I think we kind of pushed that direction when we were asking you guys those questions. Yeah, I, th I think Blaine was also under the same feeling during that, that there was like things that you guys had written out that we could do, but you were kind of like just searching for us. But I, you guys didn't have an ending as far as like the epilogue of our characters. And it was up to us just to say whatever we wanted. Yeah, mm -hmm. I had questions I'd written down for each of the characters, things that, that came to mind of like, what have we explored? What have we learned about the characters? What things would fans be interested in? Um, and I just kind of wrote those down. And like, if we covered them, we covered them. Yeah. I have a, a question kind of going back to, I guess it was like the flats of Tabool. Did you guys look into each of our character sheets to see what languages we knew and just like knew that since I knew Draconic, I would have a means of communicating? Like, did you expect dragons to be as big of a role in this campaign as it turned out to be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We knew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It was all those sneaky times where I'm asking guys like, hey, can you see what's on the character sheet? Like, what's their alignment? <laughs> what's, what, what's their common languages here? But yeah, I wanted that to be a thing. It's the same reason that like when we get to Tetra and Bart is half draconic and he's not being affected by certain things, you know. Which I, at the time mm. I didn't know, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I wanted to save dragons as much as possible. Mm. I had hints of it throughout, like the Tabulians, kobolds, you know, that sort of thing. We even had like makeshift kind of appearances of dragons and even uh, Duncan, you know, as a pseudo dragon. But yeah, I wanted to save that for like Bard as half dragon. Like that's the kind mm. of thing. So you knew all along that that was going to be the case. Like how, how soon did you know what you were going to do with all of us? Or was it just like, now that we're on to the next arc, I'm going to figure out this person in particular. Like what was the process behind that? Yeah, it was different for each character, I think, because... I was writing notes for myself to remember things for this, this episode. But one of the things I wrote down was like the characters songs played into basically every arc, even down to like certain lines, like lyrics in the songs. And so like I kind of based my arcs on those things, but then like things would come up eventually. Like I, I couldn't know everything about your characters and until you guys told me things as well. Sure. But yeah, I think that's my process is like I wrote down as much as I could in notes over time. 
and then kind of collated those things when it got closer to your particular arc, you know? And there were some times when Micah would have to have me ask sneaky questions or try yeah. to get information out of the party without raising any suspicions. Yeah. Like, hey, can we find out a way to ask so-and-so this question? And be like, okay, we'll see if we work that into the episode somehow. Yeah, I think one was like, how old is Bart? Because Bart doesn't have an age written on their character sheet. We've never mentioned Bart's age. I think Bart's timeless. Yeah, <laughs> Bart only mentions that he never reveals his age. And so I was like, how old is he? Kind of need to know for the backstory. Like, how? what's the timeline? Like, when is he born? <laughs> so, and I think at one point, Bart makes a reference to having a birthday or their birthday having passed. And I tried to like very casually ask like, oh yeah, how many years old did Bart turn that year? And I think Barbara was very evasive even at answering <laughs> yeah. that. She's like, oh, Bart doesn't tell or something like that. Yeah, he doesn't kiss and tell. And <laughs> that also uh, is associated with his age. He never tells. Or his weight. Actually, no, he did tell his weight. Chunky boy. But I will say, like, in the latter arcs, like, more recent arcs, like, I had a lore document of, like, how things happened way back in the day, but I didn't have a timeline, per se. Mm. So eventually I took, like, a whole, not a whole day, but a, a day, an evening to, like, write down... This is the year this happened. This is the year this happened. You know, just kept going down the timeline and took a lot of work. And it's not completely accurate, but it helped me to be like, that's when this person was born. This is when this person met, that kind of thing. Was there an alt version of our different arcs where it's like, you know, oh, Kyborg's mom lived or, you know, Bart and Gum Gum switched and Bart's parent is Daya and all that stuff. Like, were there any uh, alternate universe outcomes and stuff? Did Mud have a different story that you guys had in mind that just didn't pan out? <laughs> well, John, how much backstory did you give me? Too much. <laughs> Baloney. Is that, uh, that sarcasm? I, I, over, I overwhelmed you with the information. <laughs> it was just an overwhelming blank page. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> the possibilities are endless. The, right, the writer's conundrum. <laughs> it's exactly right. Uh, so for John, no, it was, I think I wrote down like a page for each of y'all's arcs when I was playing them out. And the first question was like, what if Mud doesn't remember his backstory because he doesn't have a memory? Mm. And that was the that was the kind of initial thing. <laughs> so that's you writing into like a reason for the fact that I didn't provide anything. That's it. That's so funny. <laughs> I like that. That's fine. Work with I, what you got. Yeah, I like that because that takes the no-no off of me. It's like, oh no, I, I gifted you an opportunity to yeah, uh, that's it. To we have create. such a connection yeah, as brothers that you yeah. knew what I needed and I knew what you needed. <laughs> yeah, what I needed was to not spend time on my backstory. <laughs> but like as far as alternate stuff, I think we kind of settled on like, yeah, Kyborg's family was, that's always been like your, your canon. Like mm. his, his family's been gone. They were killed by Quadrant. Mm. We didn't know a whole lot about Bart's backstory, I don't think. Not too much, yeah. Yeah, you, you laid in some few things here and there. Yeah. Barbara, you're the one who provided the pirate upbringing? I think or was so. that uh, written by y'all? Yeah. No, I, I think I... think it was you. Yeah, I specified that he was raised by pirates, but... yeah. Didn't say anything about like a captain's name or, you know, what happened afterwards or anything like that. What the audience doesn't know is that uh, Barbara's actually a huge fan of Pirates of Penzance. (laughs) Pirates of the Caribbean, my friend. Let's get the (laughs) pirates right. Drink up me, Ides, yo-ho. I'll tell you the story of Pirates of Penzance later and you understand how closely it relates Uh, to Bart's story. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Did you have Archie planned to be the big bad and also Gum Gum's dad? (laughs) <laughs> like at what point did that come to you know like did you have a plan for Archie whenever we initially met him back in like the third arc you know and then how did that evolve to what it was yeah so arc one you guys go to Pius Pass Gum Gum walks up to the chapel 
and starts wanting to commune with his dad, right? Yeah. And Bart starts like faking his dad's voice, like, I'm gum. And um, I was editing that episode, that very scene. And I found some music. I didn't write the music for that particular scene, but I found some music that fit really well with it. It was really spiritual and stuff. And that <laughs> the whole ending of the show came to me. And hmm. it was one of those moments where like, you can't write it down fast enough. <laughs> yeah. And so I just kept writing and writing and writing. And that's the, that was the beginning of that like lore document I was kind of mentioning earlier. And yeah, I came up with Daya, came up with the diagems, came up with Entropa, came up with a connection to Gum Gum and what the whole like quest was going to be for the rest of the campaign. So basically you're saying it was me doing Gum Gum's dad that inspired the entire <laughs> campaign. Even to the detail of like, I think you mentioned you had a dog later on, but mm -hmm. it was funny that I had written a dog to bite you. And that was like, that's how, how Entropy lures you out, oh, lures you out of the house I didn't and stuff. Even think about we didn't even think about the dog bite that you got. Yeah. Interesting. That's funny. What's funny is before the finale, we had a meeting about possible questions Gum Gum could have for Daya or possible yeah. wishes he could make. And we started trying to plan for worst case scenarios. Like what's the thing Gum Gum could wish for that could throw us most off the rails? And I think my thought was Gum Gum's going to wish to have his dog back. He's going to remember <laughs> I thought that might be, yeah. the dog and it's like, what's going to happen? I took a picture of Chris the moment you guys were like, you get to make one wish gum gum, but be very careful with how you like say it and all this stuff. And Chris is just like, uh, <laughs> I, took, I took a picture of him that I'll make sure that we post on social, but it's just a very funny moment. I just, I love when we put the pressure on Chris for something like that. <laughs> That's great. Here's the ending in the show. Go. Yeah. It's all on you. Right, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Howdy, my unhygienic hearers. We hope you're enjoying a behind the tails look at the entire Infinite campaign. Big thanks to everyone that supports us. Uh, post on social media using hashtag StinkyDragonPod. If you're not already, make sure you follow us at StinkyDragonPod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can stay up to date with the next adventure because this is not the end of the show. Next week, we're going to be releasing a mini adventure DM'd by Chris Damaris that will continue for five episodes. And then we're going to be diving right into our next full-length campaign with the original cast and crew. So I think that this is all of you guys' first D&D campaign for the players. How do you feel about finishing what I presume is your first campaign? Did we not finish the RT D&D? Not really. It was kind of up in the air. Gotcha. Okay. Then, yeah. I don't even remember a conclusion to that. So, yeah. The question stands then. Um, For me personally, I think we really lucked out in finding characters and, like, chemistry that worked really well together. And I think, like, this group is great at working together from an improv standpoint and stuff like that. But... There's so much of D&D &D that a lot of us didn't know about. I know like this is my real first time playing D&D &D and like learning how to, you know, do spells and attacks and roll for certain things and like what needs to be done when and in what order and like all that stuff that's the nitty gritty of D&D. &D. And so it really helped me, I think, like become more comfortable with that stuff. But also, I don't know, like I, I felt like we did it in a really nice way where it didn't feel so much pressure, like you had to know everything about D&D &D right off the bat. Like we were a lot more lax with the rules and like the more specifics of D&D, &D, like even like carrying capacity as an example. And I felt like that laxness helped us be more creative and 
like kind of fall into the comedy a little more of the podcast. And so I, I love how it all played out in that sense, but it's made me a lot more comfortable and excited to try new D and D classes and characters for different campaigns and stuff like that and to yeah. explore those. Well, there's a thing they teach you when you like do an improv class where it's like, don't focus on the things you don't know. Just lean into the things you do know. Yeah. And I think that by trying to abstract a lot of the nitty gritty and trying to remove the worry about the rules and how specifically it all works. It's like we were trying to give you that space and more comfort about things that you do know and things you can lean into to try to make it more fun, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. One thing I I felt really helped that was removing visuals, Mm. you know, where we were just talking. And so it was all in in our head. So it was easier to not get caught up on like, oh, well, I want to move this many feet. Oh, wait, I can't move that. You know, like not having a diagram is just us like, I don't know. I felt like it was like telling a story and living it out. I feel like not being so cut up on like graphs and visuals helped that, at least for me. That was like one of the biggest conversations I think we really had had was how do we transition this from what really was born out of the pandemic and trying to figure out how we could do D&D content online streaming using Roll20 and turned it into an audio podcast format. And I guess really teaching you all how to shift away from like needing a map or anything and just like describing mm. what you want to want to do and play in that space while still having the framework of like Dungeons and Dragons, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'll admit even myself as a player, like it's easy when you have that battle map in front of you, it's easy to get fixated counting squares when other people are taking their turns and being like, where am I going to move and thinking about what you're going to do and you kind of miss what everyone else is doing. You know, not having that map in front of you kind of removes that distraction where you can engage more and think about how what other people are doing plays into what you want to do. Going off of what Barbara said, I really enjoyed our group's chemistry and like the relationships that each of our characters developed with one another. Yeah. And like, I think we all experienced a little bit of anxiety when we we're presented with making new characters for our next campaign. But I feel like going forward, knowing what I do now, I'm not going to try to recapture that lightning in the bottle with the infinites. I'm going to like where Kyborg would have made this decision. I'm going to try to make that decision with this other guy. It's like when you're playing uh, like Doom and you notice that you're using the, I don't know, just like the, the DMR, the rifle way too often. And you're like, well, I'm not exploring the full breadth of gameplay in this, you know? So it's like, let's like try out other things. So I'm like, I'm excited to, to do that. I'm not going to try to like, you know, min-max distance uh, archery kind of attacks. Like I'm going to explore different combat and different like social gameplay. And I'm, I'm excited at that prospect, but I'm also like nervous. I just, I just want it to be good. And I want our listeners to be as invested with the new guys as they are with the infinites. Well, I think that when we started the infinite campaign, we came up with these characters, not thinking too deeply on it or not thinking like what this could become or the relationships we could develop and the characters that like the way we could flush them out until it actually was happening. And so I feel like we'll be able to come up with like a whole new story and a whole new like slate of characters that have brand new interactions and chemistry together just like naturally because we're all friends right guys yeah (laughs) yeah that's something like i I really kind of want to hit on is this isn't changing it's still going to be you know the five of you in a room around podcast playing dungeons and dragons which i know is what our audience really really loves and when you think about it from like even a player standpoint of dungeons and dragons people play for like five ten twenty years in the same story but eventually that story has to end and you move on to something new but it's still the same fun spirit of Dungeons and Dragons. And I know that's exactly what this is going to be. And I'm really excited cool. to see like what you bring to the table now that you have some experience under your belt for Dungeons and Dragons and can play with something new. 
One thing I thought was really interesting is we recorded a test for this show before the pandemic. And it was really just us playing D&D for like the first or second time. This is before RTD&D even. Before so we, were we did our live stream. Yeah. yeah. We did a live stream during the pandemic of RTD&D on roosterteeth.com. But this was just us, like an unreleased thing. And it had Kyborg, Gum Gum, and Mud in it. Barb, you were a rogue, a different character. But we didn't really go into like as much character stuff. It was really just more kind of just us learning combat and stuff. But I went back and listened to it because I was just curious after having mm-hmm. finished it. And what we did is way better than that. Like the dynamic and the chemistry and the characters are just way better, you know, because we had more experience and we were also not learning how to play D&D at the same time. But it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. The voices also, even from episode voices. one. I, can I make a quick admission before you get into what you're talking about, Gus? Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm excited for the next campaign is because I have full faith in this team and our dynamic and Ben and Micah and Gus to lead the ship and stuff like that. When we did episode one and then maybe into episode two, I was like, this is this is this is bad. I'm not having like I'm bad. I'm bad at d and I don't have faith <laughs> in this character. This isn't going to be a fun time. And then like what? 90 episodes later, like well, it's like you find them, right? Yeah. You, know, you find the character with anything you do. Yeah, you find your footing. It's like, I'm yeah. so happy with how it turned out. And I'm glad that I just like trusted you guys and we got to where we did. Cause like time of my life. I, I love this. I think even like when we originally had started, I think Blaine, you and one of the other producers who we've been spinning up like Dungeons and Dragons ideas together had come forward to me to be like, I don't know if using voices for NPCs is going to work. Like they're going to have to match like Gus's tone. Oh, and, and that was great how it works and then we we just did a test that's why christian is the voice of bezler and uh spectral who was the other producer who's like working with me to create dungeons dragons content is the voice of bezler as we just like hey can you just throw in like a grimy goblin voice so we can see how this sounds and it was so good from the outset that we just kept him as bezler i was so worried with how the audience is going to perceive it because i was just thinking of all the mental gymnastics of like okay well there's the dungeon guy are these other people in the room with them Dude, is this the them making the decisions or is this the dungeon master? So it was like, where does this fall into like the canon? And like, I was like overthinking everything. And I'm so glad that I was proven wrong because like the, the sound design, the story, like the character voices with all of our like guest stars, like it all came together perfectly. How many people yeah. are in this room? <laughs> <laughs> I got way too caught up on the details. Like I should have just had fun. I think one of the things I think Barbie mentioned it earlier that gets people hung up on playing D&D is mm-hmm. the rules. Yeah. I know for me, when I first DM'd, I was scared to death because like, how am I going to know all these books memorized? And it's the farsity of it all, right? Like you're never going to know all the rules and they keep evolving anything. And so I think Gus has done a really good job of allowing you guys to do what you want to do and here are the mechanics that we can put in place to implement those things. Speaking of which, like oftentimes... I needed to vamp for whatever reason. Like I needed to look something up or, or figure out a rule. So I would ask you guys a question I already knew the answer to just to make you all look something up and make you think you were the bottleneck while I was looking something else up. <laughs> and then I would read up what I needed to know. Then like I could ignore your answer because I already knew the answer. The king of multitask. <laughs> no, you're the drama. Yeah. <laughs> I can't count how many times I would like slack Gus like, Gus, you know the answer to this. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and I'd be like, I'd be like, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just making them waste some time. I just need to, I need to look something else up. It's some classic Gus gaslighting. That's some ga- <laughs> Gus lighting right there. Remind me what Cloud of Daggers does again. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, how many D4 does that do? Or, and I'm sure the listeners are like, oh my God, why is he asking that again? Or For what it's worth, I never realized that. Like to me, yeah. you were just trying to be specific and like make sure that we knew what we were doing 
it didn't come across as like you asking something that you knew the answer <laughs> to at any point in time. So that's a fun peek behind the curtain. That's incredible. I have a question, Gus, actually. What was your favorite NPC or favorite NPCs to play? Because I know we oftentimes would get other people to voice them. And sometimes it would just be modifications of your original recordings. But just when we were recording, did you have any favorites? Oh, man. I think there's a fan favorite, of course, uh, Little Jimmy. <laughs> Not just a fan favorite. <laughs> was just like one of those characters where... I think in the module, I don't remember, he might have had like a sentence or two written about him. I don't even know if he had a name in the module. I think it was just like whatever the NPC and then y'all kept talking to him. And it was one of those things just like, okay, this is going to become a character with dialogue now. I don't. I need to find that module actually and go back and see what was actually written about it. Because I don't think it was much. It wasn't much, but it was named after a fan. Yeah. And I think it was just how you played him, Gus. And it just came yeah. across to the party like this, like, oh, sorry, guys. I just, I don't really know where I am or what I'm doing. I'm just here to help. And like, you guys. You're giving, you're giving Gus way too much credit. It was the thinnest character down to the voice. <laughs> like, I'm um, Jimmy. It's literally Gus smiling, <laughs> saying, I'm little Jimmy. It just keep reaffirming, you guys I'm just little Jimmy. latched onto that for some reason and he became your, like, party favorite. Well, I, I do think it was interesting because I feel like that was, like, with the Everguards, we were, like, bad guys. It kind of, like, humanized, humanized them in a weird them? way. Yeah. Like that we hadn't explored, so it was very interesting, actually. From even from a story Take the perspective, mask off, yeah. yeah, being like, oh yeah, they're people. It's <laughs> funny. I I was not even kidding in the end, like the finale episode where I was like, what happened to little Jimmy? Like, I do want to know. Do you guys have like a favorite? NPC then like for the players for me I felt like Hannah McCarthy did such a phenomenal job as Paralyte she did so good such an amazing performance everyone did an incredible job but like she just moved me in a new way and also Raquel Lilly as uh, Inku Mm -hmm. was so scary and so evil it was great when uh, Dr. Hem dies and she's crying she did like I think three takes of that line and I was like Oh my God, how do I choose? Like, what, what, is, what is this acting? <laughs> I know, she was so good. Speaking of NPCs, you know, when we were meeting about the finale and everything, I, I gave a suggestion and a contribution to the finale lore that Micah actually used and I was very happy with. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen to all of these NPCs. And yeah. I suggested, I said, wouldn't it be funny if Brink franchised and opened magic schools everywhere in every town of Faza so that Kyborg could never escape him? Like, no matter what town Kyborg went to, there was Brink's face huge on top of a building advertising this franchise magic school. And uh, uh, Micah ended up writing that and using that for the epilogue there. So good. My partner came up with the tagline of learn magic in the brink of time. I was like, that's Uh, good. I got to use that. (laughs) That's really good. I think for me, my favorite, like, I guess, little bit of BTS for NPC casting was originally when we had the Woonicorn come in and we suddenly realized in the middle of our session that John could talk to the Woonicorn. Oh, like, oh no, this is going to be a voice we have to cast. <laughs> and I was thinking and had originally pitched Ify Wadiway as the voice of the Woonicorn. I just oh, wanted this like so jacked, good. deep voice dude of like the Woonicorn. <laughs> Yo, what's up? <laughs> but, but then when Gus broke out his like <laughs> Woonicorn impression, I was like, no, this is absolutely what yeah. we're going with. <laughs> so good. I love that. Yeah. Do you guys have favorite ones? Blaine, John, Chris, if you had a favorite NPCs. Smarsh. Smarsh. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking back and I need to listen to that again, but just like, again, a very thin character. He had three lines that he kept repeating. 
And I was like, this is awesome. Like, he's just declaring himself the king and he's fighting this other spider creature. I have zero investment in either of these two. Like, I think we're supposed to be teaming up with the spider, but like, everyone's already <laughs> loving that guy. So, like, let's give this guy some love. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a I'm a King Obi stan myself. <laughs> that was the spider. I like Sleek a lot, Ben. I thought you did a really good job with Sleek. Oh, yeah. Thank um, you. The hi, Kyborg! And then <laughs> you coming in on Smarsh. And I say this partly because we did the puppet videos with the NPC prisoners when we were escaping, but I, I like uh, Hairless Hutch and Sour Amy a whole lot. Uh, like They yeah. were just really funny to me, both of them. <laughs> Like all the characters in, in the prison escape was really fun. And I thought you did a really good job with those little like side characters. There's something about like putting us in like a little hub where there's like several characters for us to interact with. Like it was the prison, the deck of the ship. I think like maybe infinite HQ, like, like you guys can go around, like, what do you guys want to do? I just love like socially you know, like, like interacting with those other weird people and just hopping from person to person. It's funny you say that because lots of times we had scenarios where there were plenty of NPCs for you to interact with because it's an opportunity to, you know, use the names from people who interact with us on social media. And most of the time you guys did that, but specifically on the deck of the Bramble Boat, you guys were like all business that episode. And you're like, <laughs> we're not going to talk to anybody. We're going straight to the bottom of this boat. And I kept getting slacks from Mike and Ben, like make them talk to someone, make them talk to people. <laughs> So it's just funny um, how wide the dynamic can be oh, yeah. Yeah. in the party. But I did want to circle back and ask Micah a question. Someone was talking about origins and beginnings earlier. And I was curious, like, where did you get the original idea for like the Infinite campaign? Like, what was the genesis for the very beginning of it? Because you talked about getting inspired, you know, later and how it's going to end. But what was like, where did you start? Yeah, I started with this idea that the characters would be sidekicks. And I wanted to introduce like these mighty heroes of the realm that would like, they would learn from and like gather from and over like talks with you and Ben, I eventually came up with like, what if they're interns instead? Cause I think originally I even wrote like you guys would go to school. I have an NPC that I fleshed out of like, I'd be a teacher that would teach you things that we never learned the name of. And then, yes. Yeah, so the interns and then, so the infinites, I was trying to come up with a name that encapsulated, you know, like always and then like a guard so like that's where you get the ever guards as well it's like the antithesis of course we have infinite infinite and then knights and then infinites and i didn't oh. like how it, i didn't like how k looked with infinites so i dropped the k <laughs> so that's where that came from it would have been like infinite knights infinite knights yeah 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 la, la, la. babies yeah we'll do a spinoff where we're just babies <laughs> i uh want to get to some listener questions here or, yeah. uh people who uh consume our podcast we have one here from sans jr on twitter asking what is something you're missing from this campaign that you would like to have in the next one mm. blaine doing a voice <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i started out with one but i lost it really quick i just couldn't be bothered <laughs> you have a voice for your next one though yeah i'm working on it i hope it's okay it's just one of those things where i know by episode 10 it's gonna be completely different than episode one so like i'm trying to go into it as prepped as possible <laughs> i just wanted to be like after doing good morning from hell which is another show that we did at rooster teeth where i did clayton and it was just a demon voice i just don't want to do something that's like horribly obnoxious to listen to like i feel like clayton might have been <laughs> nah, I th nah i th i think the voices that are hard to do and even have that potential of being a little obnoxious can turn out 
really well because they can become beloved in their certain way. And it also, I like when there is a definite change from you Blaine talking and your character talking. Um, and I just mean that like in the person and character in general, like not just necessarily just you Blaine, mm. but when I'm listening to other D and D stuff, I like that. Cause there's, it's kind of a fun little, like a uh, distinction. So yeah, it's a shift in personality that happens. And I like that. Cause it's like a, it's kind of part of the fun of like when we watch the puppet videos, I like those little moments where you can hear like, this is Barbara talking and then this is Bart talking. And it's really mm. funny to me when there's that distinction. Yeah. It's funny because we almost have the opposite problem with Chris, where Chris sits down and starts speaking like Gumbum before we've even started recording. (laughs) (laughs) And so I can never tell when Chris is asking a question or Gumgum's asking a question in character. Yeah. Yeah. Something I uh, I'm looking forward to like carrying over to the next campaign from this one is I think we we strike the perfect balance of like really interesting deep storyline, but having like a lot of levity and comedic beats. And I I hope that kind of goes through. I know like the next campaign we've kind of teased, but it's going to be maybe a little darker, but I really like having the comedic relief to go along with those more serious, intense moments. I think it provides for like a really fun show for us all to make. Mm, I agree. And maybe gumbo. (laughs) (laughs) I I did like the subreddit post. I think people were saying like, which NPC are you sad to see go away? And I think Gumbo was at the top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I want to shout out to everyone on social media and Reddit and Discord and TikTok and every, anyone who's made posts like that really does help the show. Absolutely. And especially now is a really good time to tell people about the show and get new people on board and we'd really appreciate it. And it's like seeing it, like people post on other subreddits. We really appreciate that. And yeah. now it's a great time if you want to help spread the word well speaking of online interactions and posts i have a question here from reddit for you players what is something you wish you'd explored more of in your character or the world i wouldn't change a thing (laughs) (laughs) that's a hard question i think for bart i think like i would have loved to maybe known more about him and gum gums past like we we touched on it a few times and we kind of like allude to the fact that they you know, met in the orphanage and like knew each other growing up. But I wish like maybe we had been able to do like a time jump back in time to like maybe play through some of their adventures together, or, like some moments for, with them together. Um, just because I think that dynamic between those two characters was really fun to explore. Yeah, there'd be an urgency sometimes to the story where we'd be moving, 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 which is great because it keeps, you know, like it means things are happening. But like just little weird NPC, like hanging out, making like third party NPC relationships that weren't part of the main storyline. I guess there was also some like items and stuff I wanted to use and like, but I was always like waiting for the right time. Yeah, same. Like I had that item that was like would reverse my traits. Like my highest would become my lowest and my lowest would become my highest. I was holding on to it for like a really good moment. I thought maybe it would be like Gum Gum met his dad where he could get like not Gum Gum's heart, but like the intelligent perspective on it, which I thought might be a fun way to use it. I don't know, little things like that, but I don't have any real regrets or things I'm not happy with. I think I didn't figure out something that would have changed because Kyborg goes on his own as a kid after he loses his family and is just like in the woods and training and all that stuff. And I did this, I built this into his character that he had like very low charisma and I think very low wisdom because he's just kind of an idiot that's out in the woods on his own. 
And I wish I had explored that more from a character perspective because I feel like he was too still very socially adept. So I feel like I could have dumbed him down a bit and made him a little bit more like man out of time, like dummy. But I don't know. Well, this party definitely had no problems dumbing things down. Uh, (laughs) Hey, speak for yourselves. (laughs) A collective intelligence and wisdom modifier bonus of probably plus two. Probably. Between all four players and two different stats. Um, There was a follow-up question to that one as well for the DMs. What's something you wish the cast had explored more of? Uh, Maybe naval battles? Um, (laughs) This was all submitted by HSD on Reddit. You have anything, Gus? Something they'd explored more of. There's just every now and then, like I kind of alluded to earlier, there's just like small moments where sometimes, for whatever reason, you know, the players are in a different mood and they don't explore as much. I wish that they had mingled a little more on the Bramble Boat. Mm -hmm. I thought there were some really interesting characters there. And I think they ended up meeting most of them, if I remember right. But it could have also been very useful because I think... Having met them, they would have had more knowledge about where they were going and been able to connect things a little more quickly. Yeah, and they meet them later and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about in like White Winter, like that arc, I started to experiment with a few different mechanics and one of them was like downtime. So downtime activities happen typically between sessions in D&D, but you can also do them like while you're traveling or something like that. So you did a lot of traveling in White Winter throughout Kaltberg. And I was like, I'm going to make like a, a hunting mechanic where like Kyber can go hunt or like they can gather stuff and they can find, you know, woodland creatures and stuff. And like, I think one of you was about to go out there and then you got distracted by something and then it never happened. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, okay, that works. <laughs> but like just things like that. Or I, I started developing loot during that arc as well. Like if you killed a character, killed an NPC, then they would have this kind of loot on them. And occasionally you guys would find stuff, but like other times it'd just be like, okay, I guess, I guess we'll say that for later. <laughs> yeah. We didn't really loot anybody that we killed or got rid of. Typically it would just be like, they're down and then we'll move on to the next thing. And then that's over. I think gum gum did, but that was like a carryover from his previous character who was like a loot addict. <laughs> Lunko. Yeah. After that, we just stopped. I think a lot of that is born of just, you know, transitioning from like playing Dungeons and Dragons as a game to, keeping the pacing in an audio podcast. Yeah. Because if you stop to loot everything, there's a lot of like rolling. What do you find? Gus either needs like a table with gold in it. We didn't really track gold closely in this campaign. And that's kind of where Bezler came from was because we wanted to give you guys like a moment to buy things after each arc and then kind of like use those going forward. (laughs) Which could I just say, I love the fact that you had Christian Young voicing Bezler, (laughs) but always made him have like a different disguise or accent every time. So he'd have to do like something different every single time. (laughs) I would have to go to him to get lines and every time I'd go I am so sorry how can you do (laughs) a French accent (laughs) did anyone in the party ever pick up on the fact that his name was Embezzler yeah yeah yeah. like no one ever made a joke about it or a comment on it so I was always like they know his name's Embezzler right (laughs) it established the distrust towards him like immediately and then every time we met someone who was like I can't remember some of his other names but like Mr. Thief or whatever. I was like, ah, oh, it's Embezzler in disguise. And I felt bad because like I completely cut the joke off at the legs. So cause sometimes, but I was like, oh, what's up, Embezzler? And he's like, oh. oh, I remember another one. Like when you guys were in also in White Winter, a lot of things happen in White Winter. You're playing as Spectral in his memories. Like each of you take a turn. And I don't remember how it happened, but like you could have used his like ether blades or his like boots that turn him invisible or he can go through like walls and stuff. And like, no, they're just on the floor. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool. We'll yeah. explore that later. <laughs> no big deal. Mr. LeBamf on Reddit asks, are there any Easter eggs in episodes that the fans haven't caught yet? 
I'm mm. sure they've oh. caught a lot. I liked the, there's a lot of Brink Tusser lines, like throwaway lines that Eric would do or I would write for him. And like, we just never hear those because he did so many funny lines of like just improv stuff. But I think one of my favorites was when I made Deja Herbloom and it was originally going to be like, a few episodes and each was going to be named after a part of a symphony. Mm. So like Overture is the first one, Allegro and each town district was going to be that movement of the symphony. So like Allegro, everything speeds up in time. So that's why everything's growing so fast. You have like these giant plants that are attacking you. You have gumbo that's huge in the pet apothecary. And then like Adagio, you guys go back in time to dinosaurs. DeCapo is the Ironhof district with Chanel, the wind elemental. You keep repeating times. So things like that, that I would write into it or people's names, they would be, of course, puns or different things that would clue into their lives. Every time. Yeah. There's a lot of really clever things that Micah does, both with wordplay and music in the show. Anytime there's a new arc, I'm always looking forward to see like how he's going to reprise the theme song for the show into like fit that arc or the character. But even the little things like with Wilhelm, you would throw like the Wilhelm scream in like the background for like most of the yeah. scenes that Wilhelm was in. I also love the Gum Gum's Wake a song kind of playing throughout like really touching moments with Gum Gum. And I'm like, it's just making me more emotional in this moment. <laughs> I think like character themes and motifs and things are really powerful in mm. media. And I think you did a great job of yeah. building them and then like expanding upon and just like making them matter. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you. We have a question here from American Wastelander asking, if there's any chance of getting an occasional first members only video component, maybe say the first or last episode of an arc, maybe cameras in the room during an episode recording. Big ask, I know, but didn't hurt to ask. Actually, something Micah just brought up almost made me interject with this, but I'm glad it was uh, organically brought up by a community member question. Something that we're looking to do thanks to the overwhelming like support we've gotten from the audience so far, which I don't want to shy away from constantly pointing out. We were in fact challenged early on in the show to kind of grow this community as best as we can kind of on our own. And you guys have knocked all the metrics out of the park of what we were trying to achieve with this show. And that has gotten so much interest because we are part of a company that they want to do more with this show, with the next campaign. And part of that is building out some ideas for some more video components for the show so that we can create even more content for what we're colloquially referring to as the stinky verse. And we had, don't have exact answers for that, but you've gotten a taste for it so far with the Stinky Dragon puppet videos that we've been releasing on social, which those aren't stopping anytime soon. Even though this campaign's finale is done and gone at this point, we still not only have more filmed from this campaign to put out, but we have plans to do more from this campaign for those puppets because we've got the puppets. So we might as well keep making these cool and little videos. there's so many good moments too. To yeah, there's so capture. many good moments. And then on top of that, we are solving for the question of like, well, for this community, if we were to provide both like more free content for you guys to enjoy, as well as like a premium level for you guys to be able to participate in to continue to support the show, 
we are like figuring out what that looks like. And even like what Mike had just said a second ago, like my brain went to like, if we're like referring to this almost like to a Patreon model, if our Patreon members got to listen to the Brink Tussler cut of just, <laughs> of just all, all the uh, different takes that uh, our good friend, Eric Badur has done for that character. I'd love to put that up somewhere for people to be able to like kind of participate in a little more of that behind the scenes stuff that we just hadn't until now really taken as much time to release out there. So the answer is, we want to do more video work. We want to do more supplemental kind of extra content to support this show and it's coming. And so it's going to be a part of this next campaign. So if you thought like things were going to just be as they were for the next campaign, they're not, or they're actually just going to get bigger and bigger. And it is 100% because of your guys' support and your guys is like spreading the word of this show because I know plenty of you have said you've shared it with friends. I know plenty Mm -hmm. of you have shared it with family or listened to it with family. So yeah. Which is so cute. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Can I shout out to someone? Yeah. Please. So there's two people that have really helped with the Reddit and the Discord, the fan discords and stuff. And that's falsely named and Julia Darkrest. Yes. Both of them have been named after people on the show, but I've talked with them consistently since falsely name built a reddit and then julia came on to help with the other stuff as well and other people are involved too i'm not discounting them they've built a wiki page that has lore about the whole show um there's people still writing on that stuff i've seen messages with people being like who knows css that can edit the wiki page so that it like matches the colors (laughs) of the campaign but they've been incredibly helpful uh julia darkrest is actually who i believe organized a document with like all of the magic items you guys had purchased and was the main reason i was able to create like the little item cards I gave you all. Mm-hmm. And then also the other day when D&D Beyond was down, we were, we were like, wait, let's, we pulled up those documents too because we didn't have any of our <laughs> Yeah, no, those two in particular, I've seen them being very active within the Stinky community, Discord, Reddit, all of the things. But just like everyone who's been on there and like is part of the discussion, people who post on our subreddit for the first time, I've seen a lot of people like waiting for them to catch up before they went on our subreddit because they didn't want to get spoiled. But it's just been so cool to see like a bunch of people starting to listen to the podcast, whether it be from the very beginning or if they found like a puppet video on TikTok, they came over to the Discord and are watching, you know, other Rooster Teeth stuff or, you know, other stuff that we make. So it's just like such an honor to be able to make a show that so many people love this much that they want to be involved in talking about it too, not just consuming it. I think that's like such a humbling and amazing experience as a creator to see. It's a huge yeah. community effort. And I yeah. I love talking with everybody in the Discord and the Reddit, everything just to get like information or even look at speculation on how the story's going. Yeah. And maybe the scariest part about making a show like this, or before we started the show, is the fact that making serialized content, you typically have a drop-off in people, people's attention over time. Because it's like even if you start with a big pool at the beginning that pool gets smaller and smaller as time goes on, as you add more episodes, because people view it as an obstacle into jumping in and getting caught up to where you are in the story. But we've been very fortunate to see over time, the numbers actually go up as the audience grows and the podcast gotten more attention, which we're eternally grateful for. But you mentioned puppets a couple of times there and Kimble Bo Bimble on the subreddit asked, did you imagine your characters looking different than what we all think they look like now, thanks to the puppets? And as a follow-up, since the puppet videos have become so popular for Micah, do you think you'll write more encounters that can be easily acted via the puppet medium? (laughs) Funny. As far as the characters and what they looked like, I don't really know what I envisioned 
And then when we saw the puppets and like, and the puppets were based off of the art that Andrew Douglas, who's a friend of the, of the company made. And like, when I saw that, like, actually, no, we also had a poster, right? That was the original thing is that poster that we had come out of the store. Stinky dragon poster. Andrew's artwork came out first though. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does the thumbnails on the Rooster Teeth website. Yeah. Yes. We, We all had input in like, when I saw what his version of my guy looked like, and I'd never, I guess I didn't imagine a bronze arm, but Outside of that, like I was like, yeah, no, this is perfect. This is this is what I imagine Kyborg looking like. Well, there's been instances where the community's kind of decided what they look like to a degree. Brink's a good example of that, where Brink appeared in I th- maybe thumbnails, but someone's fan art. God, I'd, I'd be a better person if I could recall who it was specifically. My mom made the Brink toy. Like there is a Brink doll now that will probably appear in some upcoming videos. And for reference, we used fan art because it was just like Brink wasn't a character we had fully fleshed out because it's it's an NPC. He's got blue hair, I think was like all we really, spiky yeah. blue hair. Careful what your fan art looks like. We might uh, draw <laughs> inspiration from it. It was funny though when we did get the puppet for him. I think all of us were like, he's a lot taller than I imagined. And I think it's because we all know Eric Badur who voiced Brink <laughs> Tussler, who's like just a little guy, you know, as he is self-proclaimed. So it's just funny seeing like the character that Eric voices be essentially the tallest out of all of us. Yeah. And then am I going to write stuff for puppets? Yeah. More puppet content, puppet friendly uh, encounters. To interject, Micah doesn't exactly write these encounters, how they turn out. So like he makes the play setting, but it's Blaine who decides to do a backflip surrounded by a bunch of amnesias. (laughs) That we then have to figure out how that works out. Not to like lessen Micah's impact. Micah creates all the skeleton or skeletons that we skeletons. are attached onto. But yeah, I don't think anybody would have thought like a zip line cord across two cliffs would make for puppet content, <laughs> but we still have a video. I think if anything, we as the cast are more mindful of like, let's really play into this moment and make it really descriptive and visual while we're explaining what we're doing or what we're seeing so that we could help help turn that into a really funny moment if we do decide to use that as a puppet moment. So like now doing these puppet videos, we're not changing the way we do the show or the way we act as our character, but it's more like let's lean into this comedic moment a little more and be visual about the way we're describing it in case we do want to turn it into a moment. But also that's just a good way to do a audio only podcast is to try to be descriptive and try to lean into those moments as much as possible. So team effort. I did think about it when looking at new characters to make. I had some ideas like, nah, I don't know if that'd be as easy to puppet. <laughs> 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 and having spent so much time like trying to get shots and tight little maneuver arms and things, I'm like, no, no, I can't do that type of character. It would drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all like that was something when we were doing character creation for the next campaign. One of the things that I wanted to make sure is I didn't like repeat another species just because like I like how diverse the infinites look like we all have our distinct sizes silhouettes color of skin hair all that stuff and I want the same there's just something about a ragtag band of people that's like much more fascinating than just a bunch of clones just the power rangers standing next to each other yeah Mm -hmm. does anyone have any favorite moments that stand out from the entire campaign or maybe something that gameplay wise maybe you had done a little differently and that's submitted by volantis from reddit Damn, these are all so good There's like small moments here and there that I really loved. Anytime that I use my suspenders of haggling and you guys would cringe at me snapping my actual bra straps was like (laughs) always really funny to me. I just like my favorite moments was when I could make you guys laugh. So 
I'll think on that more, but yeah, there's just so hard to pick one favorite. Unfortunately, some of my favorite moments were when I, I was the only one that was like on board for it. And everyone was like, oh, like head and hands. But Gus was still allowing me like jumping out of the window naked and like having a fight. <laughs> like, I feel like everyone was like, what are you doing? I thought doing? that was awesome. Actually, Chris, you did yeah. jump on board. You did. And like, there's just moments like that. Like genuinely combat was, I think, my favorite stuff. And, and then my, again, my favorite social interaction was uh, little Jimmy. Jimmy. My favorites were always like, NPCs and like making friends with them, which I feel like was just very much what gum gum does, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was very much fun to just like approach things from his perspective, either incredibly stupid or just incredibly like kind hearted where he would be friends with anyone to any degree. That was just really fun to play. Like the jail breakout. I feel like that section of the show is whenever I feel like we really started like finding our footing and really getting into the show, like y'all embracing and going along with Gum Gum's idea to like, we need an inside man, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) I have to get arrested. So then we'll know what the jail is like, you know, it's like just like playing into that kind of stuff was just so much fun to me. Mm-hmm. I also I know we weren't always the best at it, but I actually really liked the episodes where we had puzzles and things to like figure out in that way or like things that were wordplay or like whatever it was. I will say it was always a very interesting challenge to try to take notes with the way Micah writes with alliteration <laughs> and like all these fancy words where I was like, could you say that a fourth time? <laughs> I got like two out of the 18 words in that sentence. But I always appreciated those because it's it's something where you got to think a little deeper on something sometimes rather than just like a combat scene necessarily. For the flip from what Chris said, where he liked uh, becoming friends with all the characters, my favorite moments were anytime Kyborg and Sleek interacted. Of course. <laughs> anytime. Of course. Best like, friends. My favorite moment with Sleek, I think, is when he's eating popcorn and watching you all battle the snow bice in, <laughs> in the arena. And recording those lines, I literally went and got popcorn and just was shoveling popcorn in my mouth. And about, like, oh, yeah, they're doing great. I love this. <laughs> A lot of that White Winter stuff was fun, too. I, I like the Muds and Bart's performance for V-King. I think that was like a fun, uh, fun little moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a fun arc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I liked Tundra Fest. That was fun to make and fun to do just because it's all these little mini games and it's like carnival, basically. And like, just go play. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything in your minds that made your character truly become who they were in the end, like any big turning points? And that's sent from Heedful Healer on Reddit. I knew what I wanted to do with Gum Gum, like going in, but I think what really solidified who he was was the way you guys accepted him and made him feel like part of the group. Mm. There's a version where Gum Gum was dumb and, you know, would do dumb things and it would be like, oh no, it would be a burden. But I feel like y'all did a really like accepting him for who he was and loving him for who he was. And I really enjoyed that. I think that made his character like more loving and a better character. Yeah, I agree. The relationship between all the characters, I think was really heartwarming and like really unique in each of their own relationships. For Bart though, I would have to say, I think when he found out he was the quarterling and that whole moment, (laughs) I thought that was really fun. And like, I think really solidified like his confidence in himself. He's already a very confident character, but I think it was that moment of just like, you are way more powerful than you think you are. And you already think it's quite a bit. <laughs> and you already think it's quite high, yeah. 
I think for Kyborg, with acting like an idiot and just like a, a show off, there's often times where there's just dismissal and eye rolling and stuff like that. And I thrive off of that energy. And I loved that. But every now and then when a dice roll would hit and I was actually able to back stuff up with like performance and athleticism and stuff like that. Like it's those moments of like going against the odds and just like proving some people wrong. And there's like, Oh, this, this idiot, this, I hate this guy. Like I, I love those moments. And those happened early on where I was just like constantly doing backflips. And that's like, that was just the basis of Kyborg's personality. It's just like against all odds, this idiot survives. For me, the pinnacle Kyborg, the best summary of Kyborg I can think of is the fact that, Kyborg, I don't think ever used the word somersault. It was always <laughs> barrel rolls. It took me a long time. Like, what are you talking about? I think it's Star Fox that did that to me. Do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. So, what are like important takeaways you've learned about playing D and D? And is there anything that you learned about the mechanics of the game that you'll incorporate into the next arc? That's from Daniel KS25 on Twitter. Something that I think I want to do more of is playing D&D like the character I'm playing. So a little bit more heavily in the role play. I think, especially with Chris and Gum Gum, he had a lot of moments of like, well, Gum Gum would do this. Yeah. And I think oftentimes I go, well, I feel like I wouldn't do this in this situation, but maybe Bart would. I didn't play into that as much as I think I could have. So I'm hoping with like any future campaigns we do, I could like really dive into thinking in the mindset of that character, even if it's not something me personally, Barbara would do or agree with or think is like the right move here. But this character would. I want to do more of that. I agree. And I think that this is a lesson that we learned from RTD&D to Stinky Dragon that I think we're going to continue to perfect into the next campaign is that it's way more fun when the team gets along and we yes and each other and we support each other. And I hope we continue to do that because it just makes our friendship and our character dynamics work that much better and gus ben and micah you guys just letting us play and and just doing stupid stuff like that makes this i think a much more enjoyable playing and listening experience yeah well hey i love it because if uh, you guys are talking and doing things then i don't have to talk <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've learned a lot about dnd from just writing because like i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on the podcast but i only learned dnd during the pandemic oh really, really? yeah mm. holy hell i never knew anybody <laughs> And so I finally met people that I was living with in Australia and they taught me. And then I eventually like I was in a campaign that I started DMing my own campaign with them. But like, that's the best, you know, way to learn something is to teach it. <laughs> and so like when you start, <laughs> like I, I, that's how I found out about, about skill challenges from like fourth edition. I use that in this campaign. I found out about the maze mechanic that you can use for labyrinths with the cards and stuff. There's all kinds of things. Oh, uh, action-oriented monsters, which is a, a thing from Matt Colville, who's a former writer of Critical Role, I think. So there's all kinds of things you can learn on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I think similarly to Micah, like I don't really, I played a few sessions of D&D in college, but I didn't really get into it until like a year before we really started diving into RTD&D and stuff like that. And it was mostly from listening to like audio podcasts and like live shows that other people played into. And this campaign has really taught me a lot about playing D&D for an audio podcast series and how it's very different from just like sitting down to play at a table at home because there's a lot of pacing issues and just making sure like how things work when you're sitting in like a recording studio with everybody and just have to take time to, you know, we only have two hours, so we can't spend four hours doing combat, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like yeah. we're really getting a good like foundation under ourselves going into this next campaign to like, you know, 
do some more fun storytelling. That was one of the first things I, I researched was like how to do D and D in ninety minutes, like ninety minute yeah. sessions, like <laughs> yeah. lunchtime D and D. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, because in the past, like when I've played campaigns, it's like all right, we're gonna get together and we're gonna play D and D all weekend, like ten hours a day for you know Saturday and Sunday. Like yeah. we spend twenty hours this weekend playing D and D. And it's like trying to distill that down to like a 90 to 120 minute session weekly is just like, that's a lot. That's that's, a, that's kind of crazy to, to distill it down like that. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever mentioned like that, like when I send Gus modules, we don't stick to this by any means, but it has a timeline of like, yeah. here's when this generic thing will happen. Like it'll take probably 15 minutes, well, a lot for that. And then this, and then this, and then this, and it's all like broken down so that we know, like we probably have enough time, but maybe not. But then the party finds a door. <laughs> the party finds a door. I have a question. What would you have done if in combat, one of our characters had died. Probably stop the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, you like, what do you mean? Like, fell to zero hit points or failed, failed zero, all three death yeah. saves? Like, actually all died, died. All three death saves, like, just really bad luck rolling. Yeah. show would have just been over. We would have just called it there and gone home. No, um, I mean, I've talked with Micah and Gus about this before, where death in D&D doesn't necessarily have to be the end of a character, right? That might have meant a drastic shift in what Micah had planned for the campaign, where now suddenly you guys are going to whatever the equivalent of phase of hell is to bring gum gum back from like, you know, the seventh circle of that area. But um, it's just like a, a change in story as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. We wanted to lean into that if that happened. So if someone like rolled, you know, death saves and just got a, a one and like immediately died, <laughs> let that be the dramatic moment and plan out the next thing. What's the next thing? Like what would, what would the rest of the characters, how would they react to that and kind of anticipate what the story takes from there? Because that is a moment and we don't want to just wash over that, you know, and, yeah. and say, well, he died. Let's move on. Roll another character, you know. My first D&D &D character ever, we were playing AD&D, &D, which is first edition. Mm. And it was a rogue who fell into a pit with an ice worm. The party refused to go in and save me. The ice worm ate me, and the party just left. <laughs> Woof. Wow. And I was like, wow. What a great Thanks, team. guys. Like, I got my my stuff together and left the session. Like, oh, I'm dead. Oh, they're not coming back. Oh, okay. Um, wow. That's it? Okay. Um, bye. You know? Because we would never <laughs> leave you. <laughs> How long had you been playing that character? Oh, uh, that wasn't very long. It was a couple of months, but it was it was like my first campaign, and it was like, oh, d and kind of tough. d and kind of sucks sometimes. Dang. I'm glad Gus had to go through these like experiences so that we didn't have to. You know, he's taking all this <laughs> trauma from past D and D campaigns. I don't want that life for my kids. <laughs> Gus, did you ever win D and D though? Have you ever done that yet? All your experience. Win D and D. Yeah, have you won D and D? I've definitely had a character I took from like level one to level twenty five over oh, the wow. course of like. <laughs> A decade of playing, you know, and uh, that I consider is probably the closest to winning D&D, &D, <laughs> you know, where it's just like I started with, you know, a D6 hit die. And then by the end, it's like hundreds of hit points. And, you know, yeah. interestingly enough, that character was an arcane archer. So I was kind of familiar mm -hmm. with what you were doing with Kyborg. And I had mm -hmm. like the seeking arrow and all of that stuff. And like after a while, you get to the point where it's like it becomes not fun. Mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah. like every thing I shoot is going to hit like yeah, unless yeah. at this point the escalation has become we are fighting literal gods in the deities uh, and demigods book it's like there's nothing that's a challenge anymore yeah yeah so that's why Kyborg was Gus's favorite when we <laughs> finally franchise this show decades down the line and we finally decide to spin down like the stories the final campaign is going to be Gus's level 25 character against the, the four of you it's going to be <laughs> Gus versus 
actually you guys. Yeah, that character would have had like one turn and everyone would have been dead and there still would have been actions left over. Like, it's just ridiculous <laughs> at that point. Cool. Yeah. I, I want to start trying to pivot some of these questions and segue them into talking about next steps and where we're going to be going to with Tales from the Stinky Dragon. So from Twitter, Chronomag51 asks, does this mean all new characters in a new storyline? If it's a new start, will we have the same people playing their characters or will anyone be leaving or joining? Same cast, same dungeon master, no one's leaving. Same dungeon time. Same dungeon time. <laughs> well, we should, we should also specify, that's for the next big campaign we're doing, but in between the end of this one, the Infinite campaign, and the start of the next campaign, we have a mini campaign which chris damaris will be dming mm -hmm. and gus, gus will play. be playing a character with us for those few episodes so that's going to be a mini thing that happens in between that we're also really excited to do and nervous to see how that plays out <laughs> yeah and we just made characters for that this morning <laughs> we did yes so that should be really fun but yeah same same cast doing the next campaign gus dming micah and ben working their magic behind the scenes how much of that do you guys want to reveal about the nothing new, right new now. campaign nothing yeah. right now how come no no nothing yet there's a new campaign yeah <laughs> oh, no. wait mike just <laughs> left the discord call What's i just did on? find and replace on this campaign and just change names i don't know <laughs> <laughs> as far as teasing i would say yeah like it's kind of what duncan has mentions at the end of the finale that this new story this new tale that he tells is going to be a bit darker and a bit focused on creatures and dare I say, monsters. Mm. And I, I don't think it's a mystery to say that it will be mysterious. Yeah, there's not a lot I want to tell, but I, I do want to say like there, there will be some fun new things that we're trying with this campaign that we didn't do with the last one that I think will be fun to explore as characters, fun to explore different lands. This won't be Phaser, this will be somewhere different. And yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm excited to do different music for it as well. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I didn't consider that. New music, just as many puns. <laughs> someone someone posted on reddit i won't name names i don't remember their name even it was <laughs> like is there going to be an ungodly amount of puns in the next one or is it just going to be bearable <laughs> <laughs> only one way to find out it'll be pun bearable we'll see i'm really excited to see what micah does with music in the next campaign especially because with this one though in the nature of how the show spun up the theme song for the Infinite campaign was done by someone else that we had hired, Cole McGinnis, who he's done stuff with like Critical Role. He's done stuff with like Riot Games and League of Legends and created like whole champion themes now. Very incredible, very talented. I think Micah took that first like intro theme that we had done for Sneaky Dragon and you ran with it as far as you could and knocked it out of the park. So I'm very excited yeah. to see like what the next campaign theme is going to sound like and what you do with music going forward. Oh, so like the intro song is going to be different. We're thinking. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I'm also excited for John and Micah's mom to inevitably make us new little puppet <laughs> characters of our new characters. Because until then, I guess like this is the only thing I can update on because uh, me and Chris work on the puppets. But like we're going to continue to make infinite puppet videos with like you know our original crew up until like we have enough stuff and in, 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 into the new campaign accrued and, and new puppets to or maybe to make we'll those do both guys. simultaneously yeah like maybe we'll do Sam? some weeks with the old campaign some weeks with the new campaign if if things pop up what if she yeah. makes puppets of you guys in real life and you play out you playing D, &D <laughs> as you 
I was literally just thinking about how I wanted to include miniatures to the scale of the miniature puppets. <laughs> so like, like maybe one of them is making puppets in a shot and then we have even tinier felt puppets. It's puppets all the way down. Puppets all the way down. Isn't there a South Park episode about them doing paper animation? <laughs> Funny. Is there? Yeah, they're like doing the same animation of the original style of that show before it became digital. Oh, and, and they in and they in the episode like express their exacerbation at how difficult and dumb that style of animation is. So you mentioned about at the end of the Infinite campaign how Duncan kind of teases what's up next. And there's actually a question from Brisby on Reddit asking, have you considered a new voice for the bartender for the next campaign? Like there was a shift change for the bartenders. And uh, I think that's a funny question because we talked about that for a long time because Tales from the Stinky Dragon is supposed to be multiple different stories, like stories told at a, at a bar called the Stinky Dragon. At a tavern. Right. And, you know, it's been one of the things that we've wanted to do for a long time because we weren't sure, like, are we going to actually do it? Are we not? You know, does that need to carry through or can you swap it out at any given point? Is there anything you want to say about that, Micah? Yeah, we can say like Duncan's going to probably tell the next one and he's going to use his like spooky voice that he's going to he's been working on behind the scenes. And I think it'll be it'll fit the tone of this next story. Can I ask like canonically, mm, you're not going to be able to tell me because if it's a different land and it's not phase, is that like different planet or a different continent? Is it a different timeline, different universe? I'm so like, or am I just going to find out? You have to find out, my friend. Okay, all right, fine, fine, fine. fine. <laughs> That's called not wanting to write yourself into a corner. Hey. True. You have, to just, you have to subscribe, Blaine. Okay, you yeah. have to subscribe. I'm noticing you're doing a lot of the things where it's like, oh, what's next for this? And be like, hm, it's in development. And that was always my <laughs> way of saying, I have no clue. So. <laughs> well, as far as the players, is there anything we can talk about? Like new characters, races, classes, personalities? I'll tease some things that I'm doing for my character, if that's Same. okay. No, bleep all this out. Bleep it all out. <laughs> Barb, Barb, you keep talking. Barb, you just mic it. Okay, just bleep, okay, bleep everything that happens after this. Here, here I'll, do, I'll do it in my court. There you go. I think it's safe to say that a lot of people have been saying that I should play a barbarian. So I'm going to be playing a barbarian character to continue with the theme of my name and different classes like Bar Barbara and Bard and Barbarian. And I'm going to be playing a, a female character, too, which I'm excited about. And I am going to be trying a, an accent as well. So it should be a very fun little experience for me. And I'm not going to embarrass myself whatsoever trying to do it. <laughs> I embarrassed myself for 80 plus episodes with a bad Scottish <laughs> no, accent. You did a great job. You did a great job. I'm, I'm doing accents for the first time. So I'm, I'm nervous as heck. My guy, the only tease I'll give is... If John Candy was John Wick. That's, all <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. I went very different from Gum Gum, but also not that different in some ways. Gum Gum was like a kid. I'm playing like an old man. An old man. <laughs> but I feel like in a lot of ways, like kids and senior citizens can be child hearted, if that makes sense. Like have a heart. child at heart, young at heart. That's the word. Yeah. I was you know, yeah. so child hearted, child hearted, <laughs> child hearted. Oh, my heart is too small for my body. John, um, what do I want to say, tease about mine? I will be doing a different voice. They will have a different accent that I'm going to try to challenge myself to do. And something that I tried to bring with mud was uh, a, a part of 
a backstory. I actually, <laughs> this time I'll say, I'll say this. I, I'm, I'm committing si- same sins and also not in that uh, I actually have a little bit of a backstory for this person, and I'm, but I'm supposed to have written it down and given it to Micah. Still haven't done it yet. Still the last person. Yep. And we got time. So... No, with mud, um, I kind of made a choice early on. I don't want to be explicit about it, but I found that growing up being a little nerd, there wasn't enough like overtly queer representation. It was always queer coded. And so I wanted mud to play that. And so I noticed that there's never, there's never any ace representation uh, that I could find enough in stuff. And I have several ace friends that mean a lot to me. And so, and I've always had a connection with them. And so I wanted to play mud as ace which is why you listen to the whole campaign mud doesn't really he mud plays almost aromantic basically uh because i i liked playing that way i like to explore that and so my next character i wanted to include that as well so and i also wanted to mix up our groups since it was a boys club last time mm. um so my character is going to be playing non-binary so i'll say that nice and i can't wait to hear everyone try to pronounce their name as well I, I uh, did give i did <laughs> yes you are correct yeah we got a little taste of john's next accent and character name and you're gonna knock it out of the park but it is very funny yeah. to see people react to it yeah and the last question i have here i think everyone wants to know how long do we have to wait for the next campaign to start i think it's 37 years is that is that right <laughs> all right all right, all right. Uh, you can only do uh, one campaign every 37 years currently right now as of today the day we're recording the year of our lord 2023 the plan is that the new campaign after the mini arc will premiere on april 25th i yes. made sure to say currently that's the plan you know things can happen texas could shut down again because of an ice storm for two weeks or something who knows but yes uh, if you want to put it on your calendars april 25th but also the next episode of a story is next week yeah nothing yeah. Like, there will no be breaks. no blank yeah so the new mini story will be just next week it'll start next week it'll run for five, five weeks? weeks yeah is there anything you want to tee up about that story chris yeah it takes place in phasa i wanted to like kind of bridge the campaigns or the story, you know, so they can do characters, different time period, but still in the same world. So there'll be some things that might be familiar, but also, you know, entirely new to kind of transition into the new campaign. And we have, you know, four characters, Gus being one of them. The main thing I told them when making their characters, I was like, pick characters who aren't your traditional adventurers. And I think they came up with some really fun characters and backstories that are going to be fun to throw into an adventure. So we'll have this intermediate campaign run by Chris, which will go for five weeks to kind of bridge the gap between major campaigns. And uh, we'll be back late April slash early May for the new campaign with the regular players in the new setting from Micah. So now's a great time to get your friends to listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a great starting point for anybody new. Thank you all so much for taking a chance on our show. No, it's a, a lot to be part of like a long narrative podcast and kind of be with us for the entire story. But we really appreciate everyone's love and enthusiasm for the show because we love making it. So it's it's been an honor. Yeah, you guys are our bra. You support us no matter what. <laughs> You're all a bunch of yeah. bras. Oh, third blessing was oh seeing everyone react to it and seeing people online respond yeah. to it. That's that's the third blessing I didn't Three mention Three blessing earlier. shows. Hashtag yeah. blessed. Blessing sandwich. Yeah. yeah. If uh, anybody listening to the show happens to have like super famous celebrity parent that wants to do voice acting for our show, you let us know, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys here real soon. Next week. See you in Next 37 week. years. <laughs> no. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to our Behind the Tales episode. Next week, we're going to be starting our five-episode mini-adventure DM'd by Chris Damaris. And after that, we'll be diving right into our next full-length campaign with the original cast and crew. So thanks again for listening. And remember, stay stinky.